0: Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Yes, we are back. Yes, (laughs) for another chat. And thank you so much for your time. People love our conversations together. And I'm excited to dive into this chat with you are doing the work part three. So just in case people may not have heard part one and part two, can you introduce yourself again to the Hey Girl listeners?
1: Sure. So I am Yasmin Cheyenne. I'm a writer, uh, a spiritual teacher, wellness advocate, and I help people create
0: and cultivate their self-healing practices. I want to talk today specifically about making friends as an adult, what happens when we lose friends as adults, and when our friendships shift and relationships, maybe we thought we would have them around for a while, but they end up being seasonal. And then I want to transition the conversation to healthy relationships and removing toxic relationships from our space. So the first question, actually, I'm going to pull this up from a direct message I got from a young woman, and I think that this will kind of set the tone for our conversation. She said, hi, I love your podcast and was wondering if you could do an episode on building friendships in adulthood in your 20s when you first start healing and wanting to change your circle. So that kind of goes hand in hand with what I just mentioned. Can you give listeners, not advice, But just maybe a personal example or some encouraging words about friendships and when they start to shift. Yeah. So
1: I think one of the hardest things about growing up in general is realizing that a lot of the reasons that you're in relationship with people are not in alignment with the way that you want to live your life as an adult in high school, maybe even in college, you're just going based on the mold of what you've been made Mm -hmm. into. And as you begin to break out of that mold into who you feel like you want to be in the world, not everybody's down to be with the new person, not really the new person, but the more maybe grounded version of you. When I started doing my own healing, it was really hard for me because the biggest impact from choosing myself was like, I felt like I lost everyone. And I have a a really close friend of mine that I'm still friends with from high school. Most of my other friendships didn't survive that. And what I learned from that, that I think is really impactful to people who are afraid to sign up to do their own work because they know people won't want to stay around if they have boundaries. They know people won't want to stay around if they're saying no and they're not overgiving or allowing them to drain them by being on the phone with them for hours or whatever it is that the relationship is based on, is that you make space for people to come in that are looking for the same kinds of things that you're looking for or if you're participating in these kind of relationships that aren't serving you then you're not going to have those relationships because the people that want healthy relationships are looking at the fact that you are participating in unhealthy ones so oh my gosh we often see like oh why don't people want to come be friends with us because you're unhealthy too
0: (laughs) okay okay hold on Because I know some people are going to listen to that and be like, damn. And I know some people are going to listen to that and be like, I'm not unhealthy. I'm not. I'm not unhealthy. So how do people identify? How do we identify when we are playing? You talk about this a lot on your social and your newsletters and when you're teaching. The roles we're playing in relationships that we don't even know we're playing.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to distinguish we, when we hear the word unhealthy, we think bad. And I don't like yeah. to use the word good or bad. We are taught the cycles based on, you know, like everybody is just born with a blank slate and then your family kind of molds you. And then you're just mm. kind of in that mold until you decide to either break out, you have the desire to break out, you know, you have an uh, something that happens that makes you want to be a bit different than the mold you were given. Some people will, will honestly say like, you know what? I'm that friend. I'm the friend who mm. is taking everything from my friends I don't get those often but when I do I'm like that is some major awareness to realize like everybody's loves saying I'm the one that's giving I'm the one that nobody cares about like it's a little mm. bit you know people are able to identify what they're missing but a lot of people aren't willing to identify how they are the ones being the takers in the relationship and I think it's that level of awareness of like what role am I playing do I feel like I have to get over Do I feel like I have to overshare? Why mm-hmm. am I continuously showing up? What validation am I seeking? Um, whether it's the one that's in control, or the one that's, you know, that people need, or you feel like you're the one that people need.
0: That's really interesting. And when you were talking I was thinking about my old friend group. Um, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on like people from my past lately, which has been really interesting. And I'm not quite sure why I've been tapping into that. But I remember outgrowing my old friend group and not being bold enough or brave enough to say it. And then doing like really passive aggressive things to separate myself Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying or having the language to say, I don't want to be here anymore or and knowing that they didn't want to be in in company with me either, not being ready to have that hard conversation. And now being a 30 year old, it's much easier for me to speak up. Right. So if that was to happen again and my friend friend group would shift, I would speak up and I would leave the situation, hopefully with love and grace and dignity instead of being passive aggressive and unhealthy right? So these conversations are hard to have. And I wonder what you would say about speaking up and not feeling like the bad guy and also trying to preserve the other person's feelings when things are starting to change.
1: I think it's hard to preserve feelings. You really can't walk into um, a conversation With honesty and also with the intention of preserving feelings, I think you have Mm. to walk in with the understanding that there are feelings that are most likely going to get hurt on both ends, and Mm -hmm. and you can be honest without being cruel, or you can be honest without being mean or being spiteful. And I think the more aware and clear you are when you come to the conversation about your own participation, the more you're able to come with from a space of this isn't working versus you aren't working for me. I also think too that it's really important cuz when you were talking you were you were mentioning like being 30 and having more clarity around
0: I knew you were going to say that mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew you were going to say
1: this (laughs) and having more clarity around um, speaking in a way that is, you know, just clear and Mm -hmm. and unfortunately age and, and clarity, age and maturity, age and understanding, empathy, love, compassion, don't go hand in hand. And I think that's really important, mostly not because I want people to have empathy for people who are 50 who are still acting a fool, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But more mm-hmm. so because if you are 35 and you're still struggling, it's mm-hmm. not an indication that you're not mature. We, we, we are, we're all developing at different levels. And thank God age isn't a determining factor on when we grow. Because if it was, then we wouldn't be able to have real free will to grow when we felt like it. We'd have to wait. I knew you were going to
0: say that. <laughs> Because I've said that to you before and you're like, that doesn't mean (laughs) it doesn't mean anything. Um, So let's talk about that not really meaning much. I I like that you pointed that out and you corrected me because I am one to think that age and maturity kind of go hand in hand, especially when I have been in relationship with people and you and I have had these personal conversations. So I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but like, I'll say things like, why doesn't X just show up? and act like they have some sense, especially when it comes to like raising kids or being a part of a family, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. why can't that person just not be what what they are? They're X years old. You always correct me and say, Alex, that really has nothing to do with anything. You know, like good for you for, for not being that way. But also it doesn't equate to how people show up, the capacity they can give and their maturity level. Join the millions of students, including myself, already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free when you use my code. That's right. Skillshare is offering Hey Girl listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hey Girl. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Hey Girl to start your two months now. You will not regret it. Skillshare.com slash Hey Girl. So what do you have to say about that? Because I know a lot of people are probably listening to this and being like, damn it, I wish my mama would just get it together. She's she's 60 years old and still is acting this way. Or man, like my uncle is X years old and he's acting this way. How would you tell people, and I'm asking really for myself too, to like hold that space for compassion and understanding instead of, dare I say, judgment, impatience,
1: Mm, Yes. And I think desire is also the thing. Like the reason why we are hoping that age will bring wisdom and love and caring and some type of self-acceptance and awareness is because we have a desire to be in relationship with that person in a different way. And that comes from also our just hope that they will change so that we can have the relationship that we dream of, that we think we should have, you know, whatever it is. I think also we place judgment or projections often based on what we would do in a situation versus Mm -hmm. what somebody else would do in a situation. I do think that age does bring some form of wisdom because it brings experience. And the more experienced you are, the more you have an understanding, but everybody metabolizes what they experience differently. And although Mm -hmm. some of us see it as guidance, lessons, et cetera. There's a whole lot of people that are just like, that's just the way it is. And they they don't even have that awareness to really sit down and integrate what they've been going through or how they've been participating in life. They're just living. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting. You'll speak to people like in um, astrology and people who aren't in astrology and someone will be like, this new moon is really powerful. And like that other person's like, It's a new moon? What's that? Like, not Mm -hmm. everybody's in the same uh, space. So I think it's important to begin to really accept that people, no matter the age, all have the power of choice. And you can be 75 Mm. and still not choose to be self-aware, still not understand what self-awareness is. You can go to therapy, And and I think the ultimate thing for me has been in working on that. Cause I definitely have people like that in my life. It's like, okay, how can I fall deeper into seeing just who they are as they are and then also see the places in myself that I still need tons of work. And that's a reminder Mm. for me, like, I'm still a work in progress. I just want them to be a different version of work in progress so that we can have a better family, better life, better friendship. But um, I just actually read this post where it was saying, like, we're always willing, we always want people to do whatever the work is that they need but then we're willing to give ourselves grace for not understanding. I think that was T.D. Jakes. Um, And it's true. We want people to like show up and then, but Mm -hmm. if we make a mistake in not showing up, we're more willing to give grace.
0: Wow, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's something I'm trying to be more mindful of is giving myself grace because it took so long for me to give Mm -hmm. myself grace and for me to like come to that point of being my own friend, Mm -hmm. that when someone else hasn't arrived and isn't able to show up in that way. Res- I don't know if respect is the word, you can feel free to correct me, but like respecting that they aren't there yet and they still deserve grace. Or yet.
1: and and not necessarily that they deserve grace. I mean, I think the, the 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 toughest piece is we know because we chose that they are not choosing. Mm-hmm. That's where the usually the anger, the judgment and the the pissed off <laughs> part of us shows up right like you are not choosing to walk around like it's everybody else except you and i think the grace comes in one for ourselves like you're hurt. You're disappointed. You want this person to do something that they aren't choosing for themselves. And then also looking at them like, yeah, this isn't going to work. The the relationship that I hope that we could have, the friendship I hope that we could have, the family events I hope that we could have, we can't have them Mm. with the way that you are choosing to show up in the world. But there Mm. are also many ways that I'm showing up that probably don't work for others and so with that human experience we're just all in it trying to figure it out but and this is my boundary and yeah yes with we're not doing this as well
0: that's big (laughs) (laughs) every time we have these conversations I'm like taking notes um friends as an adult making friends as an adult is dare I say
1: awkward I think some people you just like, you've ever met those people, they're like the the, the center of the room and they're like, everybody just kind of attracts to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's never been me. <laughs> It's always been, I, you know, I've always been really, um, I've always had friends, but it hasn't been on a super deep level, more deeper friendships, more meaningful friendships. And it doesn't mean that like, oh, we're just sitting around lighting candles and talking about like what we're talking about here all the time. No, there's still fun. There's still joy. There's all those things. But I was living myself, living my life on a more superficial level. And so I had more superficial level friends. As I begin to live my life on a deeper level, you know, not everybody was willing to walk that walk with me so I think in making friends as an adult it was more of me showing up as myself and this is the piece where it sucks when you show up as yourself and people still don't like you you're just being yourself you're saying the things you actually think are funny you're laughing at the things you actually you know like you're doing all of the work you're showing up and people still aren't willing to meet you and I talked about this recently like you have to be understanding and aware of the fact that just because you are being yourself it doesn't mean that people are going to be like wow look at her out there being herself you're still going to meet people that even if they are boundary and lovely and all of that kind of stuff you still won't be a match and i think that we think once we do the work that everything will just fall into place and lots of things do fall into place but community is something that I think takes time it's taken time for me and it's something that you have to work on and a lot of us just get discouraged to be honest as as adults we yeah. get discouraged like you already have so many other things going on like I'm not about to be out here <laughs> you know trying to make friends with people who don't want to make friends with me so you just end up right feeling lonely
0: yeah and that's I'm glad that you said that because that is also a choice, like intentionally deciding that you want to change is a choice. And that's what I did. Like I was, nobody believes me who knows me now. I was a hot mess. I was mean. I was angry. I was awful. And I was awful in the name of choosing to let my insecurities and my past rejections and my trauma to speak for how I was showing up in the world. Mm -hmm. And it had deeply influenced the type of person I was. And when I had Charlie, my oldest daughter, I had to make the choice to change because I didn't want to raise an angry Black girl. Mm -hmm. I did not want to raise an angry child a mean child, a a dishonest child. I wanted to raise someone who would look at me and say, that's my mom. I'm proud of her. She shows up for me, but also she's showing me how to show up for myself. Mm -hmm. And it was a choice and it was a big, hard choice. I was lonely. I lost friends. And that It was devastating. It was really devastating. My whole world broke open, and I've said this before. Brokenness showed me how to piece myself back together. Mm. I knew I wanted different friends. I knew I wanted to be a different woman. I knew I wanted to find a healthy love to spend the rest of my life with. But at first, I had to love myself. I wouldn't have met anybody, friends, husband, if I was still miserable and deciding to use things that have happened to me in relationships that I had had that weren't savory, you know, that were just terrible to define, to continue to define who I was. So I like that you say that choosing is like, choosing is the root of it. If we're a tree, the choice below is to take root, right? Right. And
1: I think it's also important to know too, like, you choose before it's, it's real. Like, (laughs) if you plant a seed, it, it will be a tree eventually. You know, I think I had a similar experience with my oldest where it was like, it wasn't so much that I was even, I wanted to be a better person for her, but I didn't have the words. It was like, I knew something wasn't connecting. It brought me into my work and what it showed me, which I learned, you know, getting back to like friendships and, you know, cause everything is everything, you know, I didn't know how to love myself and I won't even sit here and say to you guys like that i learned how to love myself as i was finding friends and my husband and all that stuff i chose that i thought i might deserve something better that was like how it started like i might deserve Mm. something different than this this can't be what my life is going to be like maybe i should have friends who you know after an hour and a half of listening to them they want to know what was going on with me too that life of unhealthiness that is your norm you have no example of what it could be so it it started as like could be might be and then as i started you know diving deeper into it for me then it was like i'm afraid to show up fully in this friendship because what if she doesn't love who i am so i begin Mm -hmm. to like as i was like choosing to this day it's still the places where i begin to see clearly where I still have work and so I think when you show up in your friendships and when you show up and trying to make friends as an adult or you're trying to even partnership but specifically just friendships it's tough because it's like opening up the wounds like you begin to see like this is what's hard for me yeah you know what if she gossips about me what if she whatever it is what if she doesn't show up mm. what if she shows up for a while and then turns into something else like I've seen lots of other people do like our you know years
0: yeah and I oh my goodness that just made me think of um, when I met Ryan and when I fell in love with him and how six years later, he is my greatest friend, my best friend. But in the throes and the thick of our dating and getting to know each other and before he moved here and all that, like I was still doing a lot of my work. I mean, I'm still doing a lot of my work now, but I was doing it on a different level. And I remember thinking like, there's no way this is good, that this is this good. And I want you to listen to this and then dive deep with me for like a good five minutes because I've been unfolding and unpacking this for a while. Then when adversity came, the first argument, the first real deep hurt I was like, I knew this shit wasn't good. And then I wanted to put that barrier up, like forget you, forget this. I'm not doing this because things are supposed to be sweet and good all the time. And I had already been in my work. I already knew that shit's not always sweet. It hurts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes love hurts. Sometimes growth hurts and it feels heavy and big. And that goes for romantic relationships and platonic ones alike. And I felt betrayed that thing or this thing happened. And now we have to fix it. But relationships, friendships—some of them, the ones that are worth keeping, and the ones that are boundaried and the ones that are rooted in love and understanding—are worth the connection. It's worth the mending. I, I know that I'm not the only one who's gone through that. Who thinks—and you and I have talked about this—that we've done this work. Oh yeah, I, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Like I, I've mastered that. And then something hits the fan, and it's like, wow, I have not mastered that. Yeah, that's so
1: deep. I think. For me, I always say like, you know, people say, you know, I just can't wait to find my person or my partner because, you know, then I can feel safe. I'm like, <laughs> that is the moment you you, you may feel safe. Um, I believe safety comes within yourself just to, to say that, yeah. but there's nothing more vulnerable than partnership, friendship. Like there's nothing more vulnerable than saying, I'm, you know, I'm choosing you because there is so much fear and what that that could mean. Um, and for me, marriage has been the place where it's been the most vulnerable. I guess what I'm saying is it does not end at marriage. Mar- once Now, once you're married, once you're partnered, then it's like the unraveling of what is the most uncomfortable thing that you could potentially experience. And I think vulnerability is uncomfortable. Hearing where you need work is uncomfortable. You know, marriage is going to be a mirror for that. Friendships are going to be a mirror for that. And I think also like what you were saying in the beginning, like, I don't believe that love hurts, but I think loving someone and knowing that there's discomfort, there's, you know, when you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, when you're like, when are you going to, because what it was for me was, when are you going to realize that I'm not really worthy of the love that you're giving and then, Mm -hmm. you know, walk out? because when we say like you know I knew this wasn't that good I knew this wasn't that that good of a thing or I knew that wasn't going to work out the way it is a lot of times it's a reflection of what we think we're worth, what we think we deserve, what we think our trust is. Do we think that we actually are capable of having good relationships, making good decisions about the people that we choose, having high expectations? Like, if this relationship is meant to be, then there shouldn't be any arguments or um, there shouldn't be any, we should just be on the same page. Um, And I think letting those different beliefs that are often protective barriers that we've gained over time to keep us safe from the unhealthy relationships we've been brought up in, begin to allow us to redefine what a healthy relationship actually is for us and give our, right. our partners and our friends space to not always be everything that we dream and imagine of them to be for us, but to just be who they are and to love them for that and to find mm. the peace and, and, and grace in finding someone that is great for us, but that also will say when we're not Being the best versions of ourselves that we could be. And that's tough.
0: It is tough. And I think I like how you said that you don't believe love hurts. I don't know if I said that earlier, that sometimes love will hurt. But what I meant by that when I said it was sometimes the people we love will hurt us. Mm -hmm. And I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about abuse and unhealthy behaviors, toxicity. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like when something is said with a harsh tone and it hurts your feelings or you have a falling out like you you fall out in friendship, you fall out in marriage and it's pivotal to like continue to evolve and do the work that we need to do as individuals and also when we are in relationship with people. So, to switch gears for a second, I want to talk about your latest Instagram post or one of your latest Instagram posts that reads every relationship will have its ups and downs. Ups and downs do not include abuse, violence, shame, constant negativity, and unhealthy behaviors. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on where your mind was when you were writing that and who you were writing it for? Because I think there is a fine line between ups and downs and the other things that you mentioned. So how are you trying to teach your clients, your students, your children, the difference between those two things?
1: Yeah, you know, I um, grew up in a very different, uh, I would not have fit in probably where I grew up and the people that I've been around and even, you know, being a domestic violence counselor and advocate for four years, literally working with them as they were leaving people and having to just make those really tough decisions that I think we often judge or think like, how could you stay? Or how could you do that to your kids and all of these different things. And I think it's really important to to distinguish the difference between arguments, you know, sometimes raising your voice because we get angry, you know, storming out of a house because you're mad and you don't want to say anything, you know, else that will increase the argument or anything like that. Distinguishing that between verbal abuse, you know, somebody telling you that you're worthless or going about telling, because usually they're not using those kinds of words. They're they're doing it with malicious intent in the way that they say other things, participating in people. I mean, I even think to an extent cheating, like someone who's serially um, participating in other external relationships and you guys don't have mm-hmm. an understanding that you're going to have an open relationship. It can mm-hmm. can be abusive in the way that it can be done. And I think a lot of people feel like I have to try to do whatever I can to fix this, to change this, to mend this, to show that I'm worthy of them making different decisions. Or the alternative is what I've heard from many clients is we're just having ups and downs like that. That is Mm. a, a catch all for abuse. And every relationship has ups and downs and ups and downs usually include, you know, sometimes it includes not talking. Sometimes, you know, for whatever amount of time, sometimes you're in therapy. Sometimes you're, you know, not having sex as much as you want to have. Sometimes in friendships, um, you're not seeing each other as much as you want to or you, you go on a break and things like that. There are sometimes unhealthy things that can happen in your relationships and friendships, but consistent behavior that... Uh, leaves you feeling drained, leaves you feeling scared. Even if it the the fear doesn't rationally make sense, they don't even have to be actually threatening to hurt you, but you feel fearful about the choices they make. You know, people that make you not able to trust your own decision making. I've had friendships before that the people have made decisions in the friendship that have made me question what the hell am i doing that i'm even in a situation (laughs) that this person has put me in like how did i choose a friend that would put me in a position like this where i'm even having to deal with something like this and and i think it's really important to distinguish those because because i thought oh well i'm being a friend sometimes friends have ups and downs sometimes friends have things that come up no it was actually completely unhealthy completely just boundary violation. And I I needed to, in that circumstance, cut that person out of my life. So I think it's really, I, Mm -hmm. I want people to be clear on what is actually just the up and down of a normal, healthy relationship that sometimes feels uncomfortable, that sometimes is upsetting, that sometimes hurts, like we talked about earlier, and abuse, which tears our self-esteem apart, makes us feel worthless, can be dangerous, and also makes us and isolates us from our truth, um, the journey that we wanna go on, when those things start to fade away in the hopes that the relationship
0: will be maintained even though it's unhealthy. That's major. That is really major. And you broke it down beautifully. I have nothing to add. <laughs> like That's just, ooh. And it's, it's really hard and, and, and scary. Um, Navigating relationships when we're not talking about them in depth like this can sometimes feel second nature and kind of easy. But then when you break things down, especially when things are complicated or tricky or changing or shifting, it just feels really big and um, nerve-wracking to decide, you know, do I stay? Do I leave? Do I keep this friendship? Do I not? I recently had an encounter with one of my dearest, dearest friends where we had to take space. And it felt hard. It felt like a breakup. It felt like I was missing a piece of me. It felt like scary. Like this person has been around my children, my family. We have been friends for years upon years. And like, what if we don't reconnect? And what if that season is over? And it scared the hell out of me. And thankfully, we reconnected and our Friendship is even stronger than before, but also understanding that the breaks that we have sometimes in our friendship, especially the ones that we truly care about, it can be scary <laughs> Like to think right. that they may not reconnect and that you may not. Come to see eye to eye in a way that can ease the relationship back forward. And I had to really do some soul searching. And I said, I don't even re- really remember what happened, but we just weren't seeing eye to eye. And I said something that hurt her feelings. And she said things that hurt my feelings. And we're just doing this, this thing, this hurt the feeling thing on accident, right? Mm-hmm. And we had to both be like, you know, we need some space for sure. And once we came back together and had a conversation when emotions weren't high, it made me even more grateful and thankful that our bond is what it is and was what it was. So one piece of advice that I would give listeners who are navigating friendships, be them new or old, is to make space for mistakes, make space for not seeing eye to eye and make space for owning your half of whatever it is that because even if we don't feel that we did something wrong, if another person feels that we did, particularly people that we love, We have to take that as face value. And I I learned that from I learned that from you because I'm a cut you off type of person. Or I used to be. I am not that anymore. I do not speak that over my life. But I used to be. It was very easy for me to just be like, get it. But that was my barrier. And When this incident came up with my close friend, it crossed my mind to be like, just forget this. This is too much. Forget it. And then I had to think, no, I love this person. I love having them around. They're an amazing human being. I need to check myself right now because I'm going to slip back into a bad habit and I'm going to regret it. Mm -hmm. So having the maturity to check myself, which is not always easy to do. I'm a highly emotional person and I'm confrontational, admitting that here, (laughs) that my husband politely pointed out to me the other day. He's like, you are so confrontational. And I'm like, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But no, in, in all seriousness, just being able to own my part of the shit, whatever the shit is. And you really helped me see that. And that was my wake up call in not only giving other people grace, but giving myself grace and also being like, girl, you don't deserve grace right now. N- not deserve it in a way like I'm unworthy, but like, this isn't your time for grace. <laughs> right now we need to look at this, right? the bigger piece too that's important
1: about important about understanding the difference between ups and downs and unhealthy behaviors because of the beauty of social media and things like that we're learning so much more about psychology and all of these different terms and relationships and things like that but a lot of people are quick to be like I'm cut you off that's unhealthy they're unhealthy and we're mm. and we're using this information to type other people and the information is supposed to be able to help you decide and discern what you need and mm. to make changes in yourself. And I think it's really important to, to own that. Because mm. if you cut everyone off, or if you don't have people in your life, or if you're typing everyone as unhealthy, that says a lot about what's what's happening inside you as well. And you can begin to do whatever healing you need to do. So you can cultivate a relationship, cultivate relationships with people who actually, you know, meet whatever it is you're looking for in your
0: life. I love that. Okay. We are approaching time. I could talk to you all day, but I do not want to keep you all day. So I'm going to ask, how are you leaning into self-care for yourself these days as someone who is a healer who is a mother who is a wife but who also is an individual
1: yeah so I will not even lie self-care has been hard as of late my youngest is now a toddler so she's on the move and she's a Gemini so it's a lot for those (laughs) who understand what I mean but self-care looks like taking time like locking the bathroom door (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) like am I gonna have a moment where it's just me so I'll lock Mm. the bathroom door Mm. self-care also looks like uh you know texting my friends I don't have as much time as I did to be on the phone and stuff like that or even to like leave the house to go places because there's so much going on with school back in, in session and things like that so I'll text I'll talk about different things voice notes staying connected to people who are willing to just chat with me in ways that really meet my needs and Mm. and hopefully meeting their needs as well has been self-care not people that I have to like you know pretend or anything like that I'm talking about my people my community and date night I have a date night every single week and when we don't have a date night every week what we've done is we've scheduled an hour every single day except wednesdays and sundays so that we can have a break from each other as well and it's just that hour is that hour we we don't talk about the kids we don't talk about work dreams nothing we're just talking about like getting to know each other like what we would have done if it was just us um Mm. and that has been life changing and it's free 99 because we're doing it at home (laughs) so right I highly recommend that if you're looking for ways to, you know, incorporate self-care into your relationship. Because I don't think we talk about that that uh, that often.
0: We don't. That might have to be doing the work part four, right? (laughs) (laughs) That just might have to be doing the work part four. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you as always. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.